Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Memorial Day is fast approaching, and with it, pool season. But this year's pool season is different from all the others, thanks to coronavirus. Many community managers and homeowners are facing the same question right now about their pools. Do we open them or not? We'll talk about this question and more in today's episode of Community Matters Podcast with guest Ben Bash, Chief Development Officer for American Pool. Ben, thank you for joining me today for this timely and important topic. And please tell our listeners a little bit about American Pool. American Pool is a uh, provider of swimming pool management services, renovation, repair, maintenance, and uh, we're primarily focused on the uh, East Coast. So we service markets from Massachusetts down to Southern Florida. Great. And before we start, I do want to take a moment to recognize the sponsor of this podcast, which is RoofMax a rejuvenating spray treatment that restores your roof's flexibility and waterproofing protection, preserving the life of your roof. And it's provided in our area by Warren Thompson Roofing and Siding. And you can find out more at www.thompsonroofing.net. So Ben, we're not sure uh, if we're going to be able to open the pool this year due to COVID-19. When and if we get the go-ahead, how long does it take to get a pool up and running? So opening a pool is a process and it will take usually three to four weeks uh, in the state of Pennsylvania to get pools together and up and running from a, from a dormant state. Uh, but the longer we wait into the season to begin that process, the longer it will take to get the pool back in shape. And that's as the, the temperatures are rising, there's gonna be more algae formation and more staining. And uh, it does get more time consuming, more labor intensive as the calendar marches on. So, uh, you know, our, our preparation process this year, we've tried our best to keep our preparations on the same timeline as we would any other season. So if a community is going to open a pool, they, sh they should stick to a normal timeline too then is what you're saying. Yeah, because at, at the point that it becomes permissible to open pools this season, you don't want to have a situation where that is when you're just getting started in preparing the pool because you're going to be probably over, you know, easily over a month uh, to get the pool in shape. And I don't know that residents would have uh, you know, the appetite to wait that long once it becomes permissible, certainly, you know, a couple of weeks, but, but I think they would be pretty unhappy waiting a month to a month and a half to have the pool available. So it's important to get the pool up and running, get it started, get everything together, clear any, any, uh, you know, minor repairs that you have so that uh, at the point that it becomes permissible, you're in a position to execute uh, and, and get open with any additional uh, considerations that the health department might put out 
with respect to COVID-19. I'd also like to point out that uh, if, if, if you're in the camp of we don't think the pools are going to be able to open this season, it's extremely important, regardless of use, to have the pool up and running to uh, prevent damage to the facility and also to uh, protect public health. You don't want to have a stagnant, non-circulating body of water, untreated water in the middle of the community. So let's say a community association is allowed to open their pool this season. What types of changes to operations should we expect to see, or will it be business as usual? It's definitely going to be a different kind of season, Tony. I would expect that as it becomes permissible, opening the pools will come with strings attached. So the, the state, at the point that they're ready to open pools for use, there's going to be additional requirements to having that pool open as safe as possible. So we're expecting to see things in terms of uh, definition of maximum number of people allowed in the, in the pool area at a time. So for instance, in, in Texas, the state has said they're, gonna, they're going to limit the pool usage to 25% of their maximum capacity. So that's one formula that's being used uh, in, in, in the US. In Virginia, they have a, a different formula they're looking at, and this has not been finalized, but just an example of, of another method would be, it would be some kind of multiple of the swimming pool square footage. So that's all around managing social distance and, and making sure that you don't have a situation where the pool is so busy that it becomes unrealistic to maintain reasonable social distance. Other considerations would be in the area of pool furniture in terms of how it's laid out and grouped because you would want to position furniture so that you have a minimum of six feet between groupings. Obviously people may come to the pool in a small party that associated with their household. We want them to be able to stay together, but then there's going to be, you know, a need to have the next group at least six feet away. So there's going to be a, a, certainly some, some changes there. Uh, also with furniture comes cleaning and any, any common element in the pool area is going to have to be, you know, we expect that to have to be cleaned on some frequency and we would look for guidance from the state on that. Of course, restrooms, whatever would normally be done in restrooms, we would expect more guidance from the states in terms of how and, and how frequently they're going to need to be cleaned. Another consideration for associations that they may not have thought about is what's their guest policy look like? And we would likely recommend in most cases that there would be no guests this season, especially if we're looking at uh, the, the idea of managing social distance in the pool area there's, you know, we want the pool available for residents. I think guests become a, a secondary consideration. So that would be one way, another way to, to manage the social distance. I would expect signage, new signage to be required by the states to 
uh, inform guests, uh, not guests, but those that are attending the pool, uh, what uh, some of the risk that they're, they're taking in, in coming into the pool area and also some of the precautions that they're expected to take themselves as they enter the pool area you know, that's going to be defined by the state, any additional signage. But just like you see it at the grocery stores, when you go into the grocery store, there's, there's signage that's required to be posted. Over the weekend, the Center for Disease Control put out a document that was designed to provide guidelines for pool operation in this COVID-19 environment. And while that in and of itself doesn't give us the opportunity to go ahead and open the pools, uh, it provides a very good suggestion for states when they're looking at developing their own guidance for pool operators. And uh, so it gives the states something to lean on when they're, when they're creating their own, their own, uh, their own, requirements for this season. So that that's a very important development. And that just came out over the weekend that was uh, on May 9th. So um, very, it would be a good idea for managers and boards to, to take a look at that document to just get a sense of what might be coming down the road. Yeah, well, and we'll post that uh, in combination with this podcast. Um, some communities have already made a decision not to open the pool for swimmers this year, even if the state says that it's okay to do so eventually. So what happens to the physical asset in this case? Can they just leave the pool cover on and let it sit idle for another year? So I realize that it's a knee jerk reaction in many cases to think that, well, we're not gonna open the pool, so we'll just leave the cover on it and we don't have to worry about it until we're ready to open it next spring. and. Unfortunately, that would not be a good idea because as the, the weather warms, the, the water in the pool is going to exhaust all the, the chemicals from, from the, the fall winterization process. And that water is also going to be, uh, you know, have rainwater and, and other runoff coming into it so that all those chemicals will be diluted so that water is not protected from algae development or mosquito development. And so regardless of whether the pool is going to be used or not, that water does need to be maintained. If the water is not maintained and it becomes green and ultimately black when when temperatures get up to into the 80s and even 90s this season, uh, the water quality will be so poor that the surfaces will be heavily stained and it is an ideal environment for the breeding of mosquitoes. Uh, and one of, the, one of the things that all health departments are always concerned about is mosquito control. And you, know, you don't wanna have a unmanaged stagnant body of water in the middle of the community that is harboring uh, mosquito development because there's a risk of the spread of Zika and West Nile virus through the mosquito population. So we don't want to trade one issue for another. 
Um, but but those are those are other hazards that are out there. So regardless of whether the pool is going to be used, you really do have a responsibility to get the pool up running, sanitized and circulated, and then you can close it back down in the fall. The closing that occurred in the fall of 2019 will not carry all the way through next winter either. So, you know, you have to expect in the fall of 2020 that you're going to have to go through a whole normal winterization process to protect the asset for the following spring as well. So failure to do that could be uh, pretty catastrophic to a facility as well. So if a, if a community association does decide to keep the pool closed and there's no cover on it, can they, rather than just let the, the green water sit there and, like you said, attract mosquitoes and that leads to all sorts of other problems that nobody really needs right now, uh, can the water be drained so it doesn't turn green? What, what, is, what impact does that have on the pool? So in most cases, the answer is going to be no. I can think of a few exceptions, and that would be, you know, if in, in situations where you have a, a high-rise facility where the where the pool is a rooftop and it has a stainless steel construction and it can be kept empty, that's that's pretty much the only area I would consider having a pool empty for the season as a strategy. In, when most of our pools are are in ground, and when you have the pool empty the pool has a risk uh, of being damaged from subsurface water conditions or hydrostatic water conditions. It's a tremendous amount of pressure from the groundwater uh, on the pool and that can change rapidly with rainstorms and so on. So having the pool empty for a prolonged period is not advisable. And uh, you know, I've, I've seen several instances where pools have been left empty, either through, uh, you know, the idea that they were going to be, uh, you know, not used for a season or they had an extended repair renovation and there wasn't consideration for uh, subsurface water conditions and the pool actually has heaved out of the ground. And I've seen pools up as high as five feet from the ground level. They've been pushed out of the ground uh, from these subsurface water conditions. And at that point, you can certainly have a complete loss of the asset for the association. So that's not something I would suggest. Uh, the other thing is, although not, not as large a concern as the pool popping out of the ground, uh, any of the plaster pool finishes, they really are designed to stay saturated with water and stay wet. Um, if those surfaces are left to dry, uh, they they dry out and will begin to crack. So uh, in either of those cases, I I would say it would not be advisable to leave the pool empty for uh, for the season. Let's turn to uh, staffing issues for a second. Some pool vendors use international lifeguards that are here on a visa program. How has the J-1 visa program been affected by COVID-19? So the J-1 visa program has been impacted significantly. And at this time, there are no embassies, uh, at least not the ones that, uh, you know, the, the most common embassies in, in the states, uh, sorry, in the countries where, uh, you know, most of the lifeguard staff would come from, 
there's really no, uh, none of the embassies are open and doing interview processes right now. And, you know, beyond that, international flights are pretty much non-existent. So if the, if the strategy is to staff the, the pools with international lifeguards that are, that are traditionally coming over on a J-1 visa, uh, you better have a plan B because I, I don't think that we're going to see those ind individuals uh, coming to, uh, to do that work until, you know, at the very earliest late June. And uh, that's if, if at all. So I would not, uh, if, if that's the plan, I would say you better have a plan B and be looking at uh, domestic training and staffing. Seems like we need plan B and C for almost everything these days. <laughs> True. Uh, some community associations plan activities around their pools involving things like pool noodles and water aerobic weights. And these uh, items are left out for residents to use. Do you think that will be okay this season? I understand that that's part of a normal season and it's part of what makes the, the, the pools appealing, but I would, I would think that this summer we should keep things as simple as possible and, uh, you know, just understand that every uh, piece of equipment that has a common use or, you know, whether it's a noodle or a water aerobics weights, uh, you know, kickboards, everything that is going to be used commonly is something that you're going to have to have a plan to keep clean and sanitized between usage. And I think to, you know, we have enough on our plate in terms of, you know, the additional responsibilities and operation uh, that will be likely this season that I wouldn't, I would be really hesitant to add anything beyond the essential items uh, to the pool area so that the, maintenance of the pool area does not become uh, more onerous than it needs to be. Uh, you had alluded to this a little bit earlier when we were discussing some of the earlier questions about the high touch areas in a, in a, either in a pool or in the area surrounding a pool that residents will be frequenting if they're visiting the pool this summer. Um, assuming the community does open their pool, what are some of these high touch areas that the association is going to need to pay special attention to when it comes to cleaning and sanitizing? So the areas that are going to need additional focus would be the pool gates or any latches associated with entering the pool area. Those are going to be a high touch pool furniture we talked about. And we've talked to some clients that have decided not to bring the furniture out at all. And that, the idea is that they don't want to have to be responsible for maintaining it. And they're thinking about having a bring your own furniture policy. So you bring in your folding chair, you use it and you take it when you leave. So that was a kind of a strategy to uh, reduce some of, some of their responsibilities. Uh, certainly bathrooms, the bathrooms are going to need, uh, you know, additional attention. Think also about, gate control and how passes might be being checked or uh, if you don't have a fob or some some type of wireless uh, entry you know if it's if you're thinking you know pool passes that are going to be handed to a, a pool attendant or a lifeguard that's stationed at the at the front desk you know we we want to really minimize 
multiple people handling things. So, you know, move towards a, a visual pass system, perhaps badge system or bracelets and so on, uh, if you don't have the electronic uh, gate controls. For us, for our staff, things that we have to think about are the rescue tubes, if they're shared, uh, those certainly need to be uh, wiped down between use and it actually might just be easier to have one tube designated per guard this season. And then our uh, test kits, the water test kits, uh, if they're gonna be multiple people using that equipment, those are just some examples of the, the high touch areas that we have to be considered uh, considering as uh, vendors on the, on the property as well. Well, there's lots to think about as we approach this uh, pool season in summer of 2020. I'm sure none of this was on anybody's radar uh, when they closed their pool down last fall. Ben, thank you for joining me today for this episode. Uh, this is really good guidance for our listeners as they navigate their own decision-making process uh, and preparations for their pools this summer. If you'd like more information on services provided by American Pool, please visit them online at www.americanpool.com. I'd like to recognize our sponsor one more time, RoofMax, provided in our local area by Warren Thompson Roofing and Siding. And you can find their website at www.thompsonroofing.net. And for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. Thank you for listening.